Father, this day. For those that need you just to grab on to their hand. Keep them above the waves. Do it now. Strengthen, encourage, grace them with your presence. They will seek to walk in faith, trust, best we know how. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. May be All right, so we're going to continue on in the Promises of God series. It's been a joy to present it and to look at the promises as God has given to him. And we know that he is faithful. Uh, he doesn't change. Uh, he doesn't move away from us. He's right there always to fulfill what he said he's going to do. And hopefully you've been encouraged as we've gathered together uh, during this time. We're talking about evangelism this month and that opportunity to share our faith with others. Uh, we started out last week, uh, or, or the first Sunday of this month, by having the Gideons here sharing together, Brother Rodney Potter being here and sharing about what the Gideon ministry is doing. And again, I remind you, again, your faithfulness to give, $1,903, about 380 Bibles, so that we have the opportunity to distribute those Bibles in our heart language, so that people can come to know Jesus Christ. And though uh, many have Bibles, and you probably have at least one or two in your home, maybe seven or eight or nine or ten or 200, I don't know. But the fact is, the Word of God needs to go out, and we need it here in America just like we need it in Indonesia, right? Every place needs the Word of God. So thank you so much for your faithfulness, again, to, to do that and to share together, to reach out of your pocket and to be able to make those Bibles possible. Last week we were in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we talked about the, the faith of Lois, the faith of Eunice, as they taught and as they shared and they lived out the faith. We said that we need to grow in the faith, we need to live out the faith, and we need to share the faith, just like Lois and Eunice did with Timothy, so that Timothy could, could be a godly man and he could pastor this church and he could love on the people and care for them and teach them and instruct them in the ways of God and Paul and his influence into Timothy's life. So we, we have those to start out. So today we're going to talk a little bit about, about why evangelism and, and some a little bit of the, the hows of evangelism. And I, this won't be probably new to many of you. It might be to some of you. But the fact is we, we need to review it. We need to keep after it because there are people out there that need Jesus, right? You probably maybe have them in your family like I do. But your neighbors, your friends that are around you, are those that are around us. So we want to look at that today. And, and like, like Pastor Simon said, uh, we may crash and burn, or this may be the best thing you've ever heard. We, we don't know. But when it gets done, just tell us it was the best thing you've ever heard, okay? Because we're going to have fun with it. We're going to interact with you. We're going to be sharing the sermon together. And I appreciate Pastor Simon. He did a lot of the legwork to get us going. And I really, really appreciate his work on that. So as we share together, we want to make that to, to be a part of it. Next, and then we're going to go out on the 29th, and we're going to practice it. Be the church. We're going to take what we've learned, and hopefully we can practice and have that opportunity to share with people about what Jesus has done for us as we share the faith and all that he has done for us. So 
So let's, let's, uh, let's go to the next slide. What's your response when I say the word evangelism? <laughs> uh, I knew you'd laugh on that one, huh? <laughs> Got my little guy there, my favorite little guy. We've been featuring him for about the past seven or eight weeks. And then we just got a new lady who just joined us, right? <laughs> well, you know, we probably all have a little bit in that, that corner about what that lady does. I know I do. You know, I can't say that I'm always, yeah, woohoo! Sure, Jesus, get out of my way, right? Now, there are times when that happens, but oftentimes we do have a struggle with it. And it is a little bit scary to, to give the truth away and what God has done for us. So hopefully we can move from the bottom of that screen up to the top of that screen in our lifetime, that we would have this excitement, this enthusiasm to share what Jesus has done for us and what he's done for millions throughout the ages of our existence, and we're glad for that. So uh, the why of evangelism, start off with, obviously, we're commanded to do it. Matthew chapter 28. You know it well, right? Read it with me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go, therefore, while you're going, it's kind of in that tense, while you're going, while you're living, let's make disciples of all the nations. And as even as we heard, was it 1,800? Is that the number without the Bible? 1,800 languages somewhere in there, ethnic groups that don't have the Word of God. To know what we have, to be able to part of it. And this is our command, Jesus' command as he gave it at the end of his life, that we would go. And we would, as we're going, we would make disciples. We would see people come to know Jesus and help them to grow, and that they too would go and make disciples of the people that are around them. Number two. Sorry, it's habit to turn myself off when I'm done singing, I guess. You want me to turn myself off now, too? Number two reason why we go out and evangelize. Again, it comes from Scripture. 1 Peter 3.15. And we know this one. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Peter is instructing us to place an importance on knowing why. Why we believe what we believe. What we're going to say to somebody if they would ask us. And so in doing this today and next week, this whole month, we are, we are fulfilling that. We are becoming more prepared. And this is not to say, you know, there are other passages that say, you know, oh, don't, don't think about what you're going to say when they throw you in prison or when you're, you know, because the Holy Spirit will speak through you. That's true. The Holy Spirit does assist us, does speak through us. But we also need to understand we have a role in this. We do need to know what we believe, why we believe it how we can present that to somebody. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, too, the different ways uh, that we can approach that. It uh, doesn't mean you have to go to seminary. Like that video, you know, we saw last week, you know, the guy wouldn't share because he wasn't, you know, a seminary-trained theologian. That's not what be prepared means. Be prepared is just just know. Just know something and be ready. Uh, so that's what we're doing today. That's definitely part of it as well. That was a great video last week. <laughs> Go, run and get some help. I've, I've been trained in cross-country running. I don't know what to do, right? As we're going, we recognize this. We have a calling. We have a representative. We represent 
the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, right? We have this relationship with Him. We're His children. And we have this opportunity to, to go and to represent Him as, as an ambassador would in, in any country. They represent the interests of that country and of the president. And we have that opportunity, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. We're ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. God doesn't, we know, God doesn't need us. I mean, He could do this work Himself, right? He could just take, He could just go and go, whoosh, 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 and everybody could hear the gospel. That's not what He decided to do. He decided to use us, His representatives, to give out the gospel, to share and tell what Jesus has done for us, and the good news is death and His burial and His resurrection for us. What a privilege we have to be able to do that. And in doing so, in making us his representatives, he did not do it in a way that leaves us out there on an island all by ourselves, trying to do it in our own power. Acts 1a says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Disciples were to sit there and wait in Jerusalem and wait and pray and prepare. Holy Spirit came on them, that's when there was this explosion of then going, going outwards. Peter immediately gave that wonderful sermon. Thousands of people came, and then they started going all kinds of different ways because the Holy Spirit inside of us, giving us the power, as I even touched on, giving us the words at times, giving us the direction, the sight to sometimes discern who we should be talking to about this. Um, and that is, number one, comforting. Again, we're not out there on our own. God is not going to throw you out there and just sink or swim. He is going to help you every step of the way. And that's exciting to see what the Holy Spirit maybe could do through us that we could not do through ourselves. Paul said, you know, we are just, we're just jars of clay containing the treasure of the Holy Spirit that we can take out there to the world. So, you have to keep that in mind. Again, as scary as it is, uh, it's, it's, it's a little less scary when you realize Holy Spirit, you know, God is standing right here next to me as I'm talking to this person. Whatever response they could give to me, they're not really giving it to me. They're giving it to the Lord, and that's well, that's up to them. But uh, we've got the Lord there to protect us, to help us, and that's a pretty cool thing, too. Well, so far, this is going pretty good. <laughs> We're doing all right, buddy. <laughs> Let me get some definitions of evangelism. If you go to the dictionary or look it up, you type it in like I did. I just wanted to see some things that have come through the years. So I'll just share a few of them with the spreading of the gospel, Christian gospel, by public preaching or personal witness. So second one, in Christianity, in Christianity, evangelism is the art of preaching the gospel with the intention of sharing the message and teachings of Jesus. You, evangelism happens all the, all the time. Somebody goes to a restaurant and they start telling you about how good the restaurant was. That's evangelism. They're just telling you about what they experienced, right? So that's why I like, like that one definitely. In Christianity, this is what evangelism is, right? The winning or revival of personal commitments to Christ. The winning or the revival of commit, personal commitments to Christ. This I like this one. When believers walk along someone who believes differently, evangelism happens. As we walk along people, evangelism happens through our lives. And somebody sent me this one even this week because they knew we were talking about evangelism. It says this, evangelism isn't sharing anything 
imposing anything on anyone. It's simply sharing the truth. We're not trying to impose upon him. We're just simply trying to share the truth of what God has given to us through Jesus Christ and his word. And it's like this last question that's here. It's, it's from the series that Bill Fay did. Bill was uh, up in uh, Colorado, Denver area uh, many years ago, had a pagan lifestyle, totally pagan lifestyle, um, owned strip clubs, the whole bit. God saved him back in the 80s, and this guy became a, a, just a warrior for Jesus Christ. And he wrote this book on how to share your faith without an argument. They've changed the name, as you can see up there a little bit, Sharing Jesus Without Fear. But as you would go through that system, and he has some, about six questions you would ask people, the last one is this, as you were de debating, and not debating, but you were discussing with somebody, and you get to the end and you just simply say, listen, if what you're believing is not the truth, would you want to know the truth? And you place it into their hands to allow you to share more. Or if they say, no, I really don't want to know the truth, then you can just simply say, if you don't ever want to know it, I'd love to give you the opportunity to hear it. If what you were believing is not the truth, would you want to know the truth and open a door there? We'll share a little bit more about that as we talk about the styles of evangelism, a little bit more about kind of how he put things together for us. But just to be able to do this, it's not imposing on anyone anything. It's simply sharing the truth of what God has done for us. So let's talk a little bit about the how of evangelism, some of the styles. Uh, Simon came across this, and I saw it in a different place as I was doing some research this week too. But the first style that, that kind of comes, and maybe this is the style that comes to our head the most, is the confrontational style of evangelism. Somebody on the street corner preaching on the soapbox and holding up the Bible and thumping the Bible and, and really giving it to people about what Jesus has done for them and, and what Jesus wants to do for them and to be able to share together in a very strong and a direct way about what Jesus has done for us. Um, some people, we might call it this, we, we might call it uh, direct rather than confrontational. It's maybe a softer way to say it. just direct evangelism. So I have a, we have a little video we'd like to show you. Maybe, maybe it gives a little picture of it. It's, it's all a little hyperbole, of course, but you'll enjoy this, so follow along. Here at the National Institute for Student Ministries, we've discovered a new method of evangelism that is shaking the very foundation of our thinking. It may appear unorthodox, but frankly, we're shocked at the results. We're amazed at this revolutionary idea, especially designed to boost student evangelism. Why did I want to be the evangelism linebacker? Well, let me put it to you like this. Damn, baby! Next time I'm hit you so hard, you're going to flight. Nessa's going to think I didn't launch a satellite. You see, as a fish was created to swim in water, as a bird was created to fly, I was created to knock people out who don't evangelize. <laughs> The evangelism linebacker deals directly with a variety of students' fears associated with sharing their faith. All right, it's all you. This has got your name on it. I'm not ready yet. What makes you think I'm ready, though? <laughs> fear of rejection, for example. Let me talk to you about fear. Fourth and one, Jerry Rice, what you gonna do? That don't compare to fourth and one in eternity. It doesn't matter who rejects us because we're always accepted by Christ. God loves you. Get off the flow and go door to door. <laughs> Can we talk to you for a minute? <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter, baby. He loves you, but it might hurt. 
Sometimes I'll blow you up, but it's because I love you. Yeah, but just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I need to be out sharing my faith. I mean, thanks to the evangelism linebacker, campus evangelism nationwide is up 87 <laughs> percent. Hey, I can't go to the outreach today. I got, I just got some more important things I got to do. Uh-huh. Hey, man, give me a break. I went to church on Sunday. I got to go. <laughs> Selfishness? The world needs a message. For God to love the world, he wants to communicate it through you. If you procrastinate, you will open up the gate to a beatdown. Give me that phone, boy. When I see selfishness, it is my job to blow them up. That's what I do. I blow them up so that they can get their eyes off of self and look at Christ, the prize. What's up, baby girl? Nah, I'm busy. <laughs> We're intrigued as the linebacker is particularly effective in infiltrating centers of cultural and intellectual exchange. Here you go. He's your double captain of latte mocha with a twist. Not too hot, not too cold. Perfect for you. recent decline in coffee sales has anything to do with our program. Pride comes before the fall. That's Old Testament. Old Testament. You know this. Thanks for the coffee, Darren. Hey, you're welcome. Have a nice day. Don't have a raise. You better than this boy. Don't let me blow you up no more. You see, I think it's fitting because when people have pride, if they're too prideful to share their faith, what I do is I knock the pride out of them. <laughs> approach. <laughs> so Duran Gray uh, played NFL football and also is a pastor in South Carolina and we're even seeking to try to get him to come and to speak at our Colorado Baptist annual meeting up in Copper Mountain uh, October 10 and 11. So uh, I don't know if he'll bring his pads and his <laughs> linebacker evangelism but uh, just thought you might enjoy that. So we, we have a tendency to think, you know, confrontational, you know, I'm going to blow you up, okay? And that's what it's but or you know, but but direct direct. Peter did that in Acts chapter two, verse thirty-eight. He's preaching to them. He says directly, repent and be baptized. And he just gets to it. This is what you need. And what happened out of that? <laughs> Many came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so sometimes a direct approach might be needed. Maybe to somebody who you know is, uh, maybe they're closing in on death. And we need just to go graciously and kindly, but directly, and give them the gospel. Ask them, when you die, do you know that you'll go to heaven? And if you were to stand before the Lord, and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to him? 
because their, their time is limited. Maybe writing a letter to somebody that you know, that you, you maybe couldn't talk to face-to-face, but maybe writing a letter and just giving the gospel, a direct approach to that, kindly and gently, but, but directly to them. Kurt Edwards, as he was here uh, a while back and is ministering in Turkmenistan and the missionary we support, like the McDowell's, as he writes the president there in, in Turkmenistan, he always includes the gospel that, that you would come to know God as I know God. And you come to know Jesus. He's not embarrassed to do that in a country where you can't do that. But he says, I'm going to do it and to share together. So those might be some ways that we have. Uh, Anybody here get saved at camp or a revival? I see a couple hands on that. Probably there, you probably heard some pretty direct preaching. I did when I went to camp all those years growing up. Straightforward, direct, kindly delivered but to be a part of our lives and be able to share together. So that's, that's one way. I don't advise the linebacker evangelism, all right? Don't try it, you know, in Sunday school today, Sunday school teachers, okay? Don't blow you up, okay? So, uh, but that's just one way and, and probably not uh, the way that Simon and I would do it in our gentle natures, right? <laughs> right. It's, um, and a lot of people get thrown off because that is what we think of when we think of evangelism going out there door to door, strangers, street corner, and that's intimidating to anybody. There are people who truly have a, a spiritual gift of the spirit of evangelism, and they are really good at that. A lot of us don't, and we have to find ways that especially can play to our strengths, uh, as Scott said, and that's why this is a big part of what we want to get across. It's not just get out there and do it and hit people over the head. It's find the way that's most effective for you in your lifestyle your personality uh, to do that, share Jesus with people. And so this next one is what we're going to call testimonial. And this is all about telling your story to somebody. What has Jesus done in my life? It's not necessarily about preaching the whole Old Testament and the New Testament or giving them a whole bunch of science facts and all kinds of stuff. It's, here's what I know, because this has truly happened in my life and I can tell you about it. In Acts 22, Uh, this is the whole scene where Paul went to Jerusalem and then he was arrested. And, oh, it says Peter, that's actually Paul, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Um, Paul is the one in this story, he was arrested, and that's okay. He asked, could I speak to the people? There was kind of an an uproar, he was talking about Jesus, said, let me speak to the people. And often in Acts, when Paul speaks to people, he does preach the whole message. Here's the Old Testament. Here's who Jesus is. Here's what he's done. And here's what it means for us and salvation. But this time, he just shares his story. Here's what happened to me. Here's who I was. And a lot of us know this story. He was a Pharisee. He was a Jewish person, obviously, who was brought up in the ways of the Old Testament. And then um, he was persecuting Christians. He was very strongly persecuting people against the faith, trying to stamp out this new way of people following Jesus. And then, of course, he had that miraculous intervention. Um, Christ met him on the road to Damascus, and he was blinded, and his friends led him into Damascus, and then Ananias, the man there, was uh, led by the Lord to go speak to him and to lay his hands on him. That's when the scales fell from his eyes, from Saul's eyes, Paul's eyes. He saw the truth, and he understood, and he became a convert. Um, 
to the way, to following Jesus. And then everything that happened after that, then he became one of the ones who was attacked, who was persecuted, and he had to learn how to deal with that. And then he learned about his calling to go to the Gentiles. This is, this is what he told the people, what Jesus has done in my life. And every single one of us can do this. This can actually be one of the most effective ways of sharing Jesus. Um, because you don't have to rely on knowledge about the Old Testament, about the Bible, about science, about what God has done in this or that. You only need knowledge about you, what God has done for you. And you are the expert on that. There is nobody who can tell you that you're wrong, that you don't know what Jesus has done in your life. Um, so in this kind of culture, the way the world is right now, that, that's, that's the way everybody kind of thinks. You know, this is my experience in my life. I'm living out uh, what I believe is right. Everybody kind of does that. So why can't we say, well, this is my experience in my life. Let me tell you about my story. And it's actually pretty effective to get people to listen. They might not all of a sudden convert there on the spot, but very powerful. And you say, maybe I don't have, you know, one of those super dramatic testimonies we've heard many folks uh, that gentleman, you know, Bill Fay, who was just, yeah, he was, he was living a life of sin and then dramatically saved, just like Paul, but modern day, and then now he's doing all these great things. If you focus on the external, you know, my testimony is I was raised in the church. I, I accepted Jesus when I was six. I kind of made a recommitment when I was about 13, was baptized, and life has been a series of just following him and trying to learn and grow. That is not super dramatic <laughs> and exciting. <laughs> but when get real and honest about who we know we are, and we can open up and say, you know what, I'm afraid. I was afraid way back then when I was a kid. I didn't want to go to hell, and I knew Jesus could get me out, so I turned to Jesus to save me from hell. And even now, I'm afraid. I'm scared of what's going on out there in the world. I'm scared of what could happen to our country. I'm scared of what could happen to my family. I'm scared of all kinds of things. What could happen to people in the faith here in this country about what's happening in people's faith? There's no shortage of things to be scared of, and that honestly, that affects me. But I can tell them, but man, Jesus gives me peace beyond that. I can't understand it. It goes back to I know eventually what's going to happen. And that can speak to people. If you honesty and transparency go so far you can't even understand. So this is another way. And I encourage you to think about your story. Think about a way that you can express to people just quickly, simply, and honestly what Jesus has done for you. And uh, see what happens with that. That's a really powerful one. third way is what we call invitational. Makes sense. Where we'd invite somebody to a revival or to a church service or to a camp meeting or to vacation Bible school. Maybe invite them into your home and the opportunity to be able to share Jesus with them as you are, are dining with them or communing with them or, or over coffee, uh, that sort of thing. We think of what Jesus did with Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today, right? Well, Jesus did the inviting. That works, right? But he invited him. He said, I'm going to go to your house. And as he was with them, there were people that, you know, said, oh, you know, Jesus is with this sinner. And we know that Zacchaeus, what does he do? He, he repents and is willing in his repentance to make restitution. 
And I'm going to take care of those people that I've, you know, that I've um, robbed and that I've been deceitful to. And Jesus says, this day salvation has come to your home. And then he goes on to say, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. He did it by invitation. So this might be another way just for us to share together with people, inviting them to something where Christ would be presented. And we have the opportunity to hear, let them hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Another way that might resonate with you uh, is this next one. It's what they call the intellectual approach. And um, this one it speaks to me, not because I'm an intellectual, but it, it, it clicks with me a little bit. It's, this is uh, for those of us who like to study, who like to find out all those answers about the Bible and about history and about archaeology and about science and have all these answers. And then when people come to us and say, I, I don't understand this part. I don't understand how does this work? How does science and the Bible work? How does all kinds of things? They have honest questions. And then we can say, let me tell you. Let me give you an answer to that question. Let me see if I can help you overcome that hurdle, overcome that doubt that's been put there by the world. You know, we, you know a lot of these people grow up hearing, uh, even if they know nothing about church or about Jesus, the culture just puts stuff into their head, like, oh, the Bible's just a fairy tale, we have science now, and all this, you know, there's all kinds of stuff, and there are good answers to the questions that they have, and for those of us who like to study that stuff and be prepared, uh, this is a really good way uh, to reach into their lives. Paul was a good example of this when he was, earlier in his uh, missionary journeys, ended up in Athens at one point. And when we think about the Greek culture at that time, they were very much into debating and learning and thinking about new ideas and philosophy. And Paul says, okay, I'm going to jump right in here. And he did. He reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. So he had a chance to talk to these people who were very brilliant and had their ways of thinking about the world he had a chance to give them answers about what he was preaching and maybe pose some questions to them that might poke holes in what they're thinking kind of a way. Some people are very, they like to debate. They like to get out there and win the argument. Again, that's not me. I, I'd love to talk to people about this kind of stuff and give them answers, but uh, what they do with it after that is up to them. Um, but this is a good way uh, to speak into people's lives. If it, uh, And again, this one... I, going to be honest, even though it works for me, it's probably not one of the most prominent ways right now to speak to people. Because again, that's just not the way people in the world think. Like we said, testimonial, very, very effective. Because that's how they're used to living out their life, is kind of by what I think and what I do. This kind of thing used to be probably more effective uh, 20, 30, 40 years ago. People were thinking more along this way. As Josh McDowell wrote the book um, Evidence That Demand a Verdict. It was very effective. But nowadays, it's, it's waning in its effectiveness, just to be honest, because uh, people don't think that way anymore. Uh, but there's still, it's still good to have a couple answers, and there are some great resources out there. You know, again, you don't have to learn everything, but um, there's great resources out there. One of our folks who's going to be in second service, uh, Rich Pohl and his wife Pam, run a ministry called Apologia, where they do. They study issues, and they provide answers. They have a newsletter that goes out. You, if you want to speak to Rich, uh, he'd be glad to put you on the mailing list and get you some good emails and some good information. On our Right Now Media, 
you can go in there and check out. There's a whole section on what we call apologetics. That's what this is, the defense, the reasoned defense of the faith. Um, and we're going to talk about some stuff that I've highlighted on there on our own page, but it's to give you some great answers and preparation to answer some of these hard questions that come our way. All right, and the fifth one is relational, the one that we're most associated with, where we just have relationship with people, uh, sometimes called lifestyle evangelism, friendship evangelism. We develop relationship with people, and we just live out our life with them. And over the course of time, we have the opportunity to show them Jesus. We also have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. We think about that, I think about that, and we think about the church in Acts chapter 2. As they, get, as they gathered together and said, you know, they had all things in common, and as they were living out among the neighborhoods there in Jerusalem, people saw the difference they were making because people will know they're Christians by our love, right? That's, that's what speaks. It will identify us that we have Jesus as a part of our life. And so as they lived that out, all of a sudden God did this work and he added to their numbers, it says in verse 47. He added to their numbers and they were becoming saved. 3,000 got saved throughout the course of all this. And so this is what we seek to do, to care for people that way and to love them, to be involved in their life so they have an opportunity through us to be able to see the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's number five. Number six. Last one, and this is, again, one we've highlighted this morning. It's service. It's just going out there and meeting people's needs. Real world, real time. Uh, going out there, identifying how I can speak into somebody's lives by meeting a need of theirs. And this is what we do with Be the Church. Try to give people an experience of getting out there, helping somebody, working alongside somebody if you haven't had that chance, and just seeing what Jesus can do with that. Uh, we had one story, especially. Uh, some of you remember uh, Richie Ince. He's the gentleman. He owns the house right at the end of Hemlock. Uh, you know, some people actually, instead of turning, they like to drive through his backyard to get uh, over to Cellini there. And we had the opportunity, this is before I was with the church, but we had the opportunity to start with his house and help him with some work that he was doing on his house over there. He was somebody who had no idea about the church. He had never had any interaction, never had any experience uh, with the church. But because we went over there and helped him, no catch, no nothing. We just went over there on that Sunday, helped him with some projects on his house, invited him to come to church, and then left it at that. The Holy Spirit started working on his heart and mind and said, man, these people, that's pretty cool that they would come do this for me. And the Lord kept working on his heart, and eventually he, he overcame his fear, and he came to a service here, and then he came to another service here, and he kept coming. And he started a relationship with Pastor Scott and started asking him some questions and started a discipleship relationship and eventually came to know the Lord Jesus Christ because of this, because we just went over there and helped him out. And so these kind of things really can speak to somebody. Um, he and his family are over at uh, Family Worship Center now because his wife is a nurse and she works on Sundays, so they attend the Saturday service over there and are uh, doing great. Um, we miss them, but we understand what, what they need right now. But this service really can speak into somebody's life. When you go out of your way, or a group of us go out of our way to say, we're going to help you out, and no strings attached, no catch, no nothing. We're going to love you because Jesus said, love your neighbor. And sometimes that means just helping you out, like the Good Samaritan. Uh, Jesus himself said in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine that people see your good works, and then they glorify your Father in heaven. So it's not, we don't do this for recognition, 
or pride. We do this so that people look at us and then they say, why are you doing this? Because we love Jesus and he told us to do it. All right, well, we want to uh, finish it up here. We've still got four more points and being, you know, we can't go too long with two preachers up here. We'll get to those next week, right?